Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our Bible passage this morning is Psalm 8. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, What are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I don't know if you all had noticed, but last weekend we gave Jonathan Hall the weekend off, and he came back with a wedding ring on. (laughs) So congratulate him and Milligan when you see him. Glad to have you back. Well, this morning, long before my alarm sounded, long before I stumbled downstairs to wait on the Keurig to do its magic, God had been awake. Early, early this morning, while I was still asleep, a brownish-red cardinal, upstate South Carolina, rummaged around till she found a worm flew it back to her nest and put it in the beaks of five little balls of down and they got breakfast. God's provision before I was even up. Before any of us were up, the waves this morning off the coast of Panama obeyed God's voice and orchestration and the tide's movements, contributed to a moist climate that grew bananas there. All of that a part of God's majestic design, this complex and beautiful ecology of soil and rain and food and provision, and it doesn't stop there. Just try to imagine the number of countries the number, the variety of fruits and vegetables that constitute God's garden. All of this constructed by God's power and creativity and provision. And this morning, before my coffee, long before my alarm, God was attending a nervous young couple at Northside Hospital. They were holding their daughter eight minutes old, and they watched her lungs move up and down. God's loving activity 
all over the world, active always, before any of us even knew it was Sunday. Oh Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The psalmist who wrote our passage for today had a grasp of God's grandeur. And he'd likely never been to upstate South Carolina or Panama and certainly never been to Northside Hospital. Still, he knew of God's power everywhere. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. In all the earth? What does he know about all the earth? He'd probably never been any further than from here to Warner Robins. But from where he stood in faith and observation, he knew God's power extended far beyond his travel or his imagination. This lofty hymn calls God sovereign, the supreme ruler of all, majestic. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, and the moon and the stars that you have established, sheep, oxen, beasts of the fields, birds of the air, fish of the sea, how majestic is your name. The psalmist is paying attention to the God within him and the world around him. And the truth is, I'm a little bit envious of the poet who sees majesty and who writes about glory. I mean, what what would it be like to experience the world with this kind of attunement to beauty and to glory? And confession, I've lost a lot of my capacity for wonder and beauty. Maybe some of you have too. I remember when I had it. Isn't it interesting, the older we get, as our mind develops critical thinking capacities and we get better with numbers and language and all of that, something of our wonder diminishes it. Maybe I should just speak for myself, but I remember as a kid lying on the grass on days like we've had recently, the smell of fresh cut fescue, and I'm looking up at the clouds and the sky and the movement of all of that, and I got into wonder again, looking around at that. That one looks a little bit like Dumbo the Elephant. Y'all remember doing that? That one's kind of like, shaped like South America. And and in my child's imagination, God lived up there somewhere and was orchestrating all of that, moving all of that around. I would daydream about the size of a God who could move all of that and still looking out for the cattle and the sparrow. I'd sometimes wonder who got to see those clouds next. They're moving that way. I guess the kids in Alabama who are lying on their back will see them next. I don't know. I remember getting mad when God would call call some of those clouds to go black and rain and force my imagination back inside. I used to. I used to embrace 
majesty. I used to look at clouds and wonder. I used to ask, how big is God? I don't much anymore. I look at my iPhone. I don't ask that often, how big is God? I ask, how little is my retirement account? I look at my shoelaces. I mean, is, is there any chance we could recapture a psalmist's sense of wow about what God is doing? J.B. Phillips wrote a book years ago entitled, My, Your God is Too Small, and I suppose this might be what he was talking about. Now, you and I know folks who overdo it, who find God's sovereignty in absolutely everything, God's supreme rule out for display when they're choosing ice cream flavors or get a good parking space. But that's not most of us. If my pastoral hunch is correct, most of us have become numb to the majesty that's all around us. We don't watch squirrels play. We're fast walking through a bland world with muted sounds and blurred images and half awake and blah and who cares. If I hadn't been sensitive to the topic of this morning's sermon, I would have come in my walk from my car to the building like any other Sunday. But this morning I'm, I'm paying attention. And did you know that the birds sang a chorus from my car to here? It was like they said, hey guys, Doc's here, let's sing. And they did. It was incredible. I just, I just paid attention. And there was a squirrel who looked like he had gotten away with something, like what he had, he had stolen because he kept doing this. <laughs> like, like, he was going to get caught or something. But I'm usually in a hurry. And it's briefcase and review of the day and my appointments. And I need to remember to email Chris. And, and very seldom do I get a brush with mystery. Now you might say, it's no big deal. And some people are wired like poets. They see sheep and oxen and moon and stars, and they write beautiful words like the psalmist. And others of us notice doors that are out of plumb or how things are engineered or spreadsheets or income statements. We're all just, we're all just wired differently. Well, maybe. Maybe so. But what happens to our souls if we lose a childlike capacity for wonder? And what happens to our theology if we lose the ability to see what God is doing and give language to it? It's possible. It's possible that we're seldom wowed because we are the center of our story, masters of our universe. We pay to go to Disney if we want to get wild. 
We have the power to provide for our experience. So full of our capacity to earn and manipulate and order our worlds, we could convince ourselves that we're the center of it all and that sheep and oxen and maybe even God are here to serve me. But the psalmist says, what are humans that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them? The poet notices a sovereign God who cares about little old me, which is a long theological distance from me being the center of the world. Sovereignty is, of course, a word that comes from a regal power, the supreme ruler. But there's also an attending theological word, Providence. Providence is what happens when God applies that supreme power in the positive, loving care of our lives. God's intervention for good, God's provision for us in the joys and the sorrows of life. The psalmist says, Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence your enemy and the avenger. That is the poet declaring God's active care and provision. Now, I mention this because, I mean, it's one thing not to notice birds and cloud formations, but has our disaffiliation from mystery also made us deaf and blind to the ways that God is at work, always and everywhere. That is what I fear. Have we gotten so involved in steering and ordering and intervening on our own behalf that we have been blinded to what God's grace has been up to all the time? What might it look like if our poet spirit woke up again? What might we need to do to reawaken what it means to see the world and say, how majestic is God's name in all the earth? Most of you know that my 18-year career at Mercer University's McAfee School of Theology started at the birth of the school. I was there when we were creating and there for the first class. There were six of us when the school started. That was it. There were five faculty and me. I was the first uh, director of admissions for the school. Our dean, Alan Culpepper, was uh, the senior among us. He was 50. I was 32. This young and eager group ready to conquer the world, build a seminary. And our first official faculty member, uh, faculty meeting was winter of 1996. We, We met in a borrowed classroom because we didn't have a building yet. We sat in ordinary chairs at a ordinary table with a whiteboard on the wall. 
The setting looked entirely too ordinary for the university president, Kirby Godsey, to be in attendance, but he came. It was the first ever faculty meeting of the school, so he swelled our numbers to seven. He gave us a rousing charge and told us to be bold and creative and to dream big and the university would be behind us to support us. And then our dean rose to speak. And the first words out of his mouth were theological. He said, this year I have experienced more of the providence of God than I once believed in. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What would it look like to see God's majesty at work, to point to it, to name it, and dance inside of it? How do we need to recalibrate our lives to see the providence that's all around us? You all know that I have the best seat in the house for seeing God's providence at work, right? Most often, God's power intervenes when human hope has found its limits. And because many of you grant me the privilege of sitting with you when life's storms are the most fierce, I get to see beautiful stories of trauma transformed by God's providence. In the last two years, a woman in this congregation was victim of circumstances that are almost too tragic to believe, and I'm telling this story with her permission. Her suffering led to a season of desperate need, and she needed her church. I made some phone calls to some of you, to a person to a person. Everybody I called said, what do you need? I'm in. In addition to those calls, there were dozens of unbidden acts of grace that went with her story. There are almost too many to believe. Support poured out from odd and far sources. It was amazing to watch. And on a hundred occasions in the last year, she said to me, I don't know where I would be without this church. I have always known God's love, but this year I have seen God's love in ways I still feel just, are just too hard to believe. I can hardly believe the miracles I've seen. God's providence has been everywhere. How do we learn in good and in suffering to pay attention to the God within us and the world around us? The sovereign God this morning led a cardinal to find breakfast for a nest of chicks. The majestic one this morning ordered the tides around Central America. And the Lord of all creation saw to it that a young couple in Dunwoody counted ten fingers and ten toes 
as they laid eyes on the little miracle they named Beth. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The sovereign God is alive. God is acting, moving, loving, intervening, providing. God set glory in the heavens, slung the stars, hung the moon in place, but is still alive and active, carrying an individual stories where hope is in short supply. Can you imagine the God who moves the tides and feeds the birds is intervening in your life and story? Maybe God's goodness and provision is all around us all the time if we knew where to look. You remember Jesus is fond of saying, for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. Maybe by paying attention to the God within us and the world around us, we will get to see the sovereign God at work. And something of that child who knew wonder might reawaken again. Maybe if we work on it, maybe if we pay attention, one day we will say, I have experienced more of the providence of God than I once believed in. Maybe we will declare with the psalmist, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thanks be to God. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.